former military, okay. 35 plus Let me say one more thing. So that's all I'm saying. Okay. Is that they're yeah. not once, crazy once, people. Okay. Here's the thing. Once black people get guns in this country, the gun laws will change. Trust me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Black and Blurred. Hi. That's Darren. That's me. So what you just heard is, man, I think one of our favorite, uh, what do you call them, a talk show host? Co-host? Talk show? She's a co-host, yeah. She's yeah, per, uh, yeah, talk show co-host, Joy Behar, um, commenting on, you know, what will really uh, stick it to this country is black people owning guns. This this very new identity, uh, I mean, an idea of black people owning guns and you know, when that, Darren, when that finally happens, gun laws will definitely get in. And I guess you, what you have to understand is her position on guns first. You do. You do. You do. Go and ahead. I, give her. Give yeah, her. I don't think the, I don't think the, uh, the point of that clip is not really context. It's just the, 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 the words you're saying. Yeah. And like it, everyone's been doing this gotcha thing, right? right. Oh, you say something, this sounds racist, then you are definitely racist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, so the, she doesn't like guns. No. She doesn't think people should own them. No. So what she's saying is, in order to get gun laws, let's get the let black people to get them. Yeah, let's get black people to get guns. Now. Which is I, what she wants. She if, wants gun laws. Yeah. Now, being like, we're, I think that's genuine. Genu- we're trying to be genuine in understanding her. Yeah. Um, we understand her position. And so, therefore, we understand the way that contextual logic works in her head. Yeah. So she's trying to hit us with the racism. Yeah. The black yeah, struggle yeah, yeah, yeah. and the gun thing at the same right. time. All at the same time. This oh. kind of like megazord of issues. Um, yeah. And it doesn't turn out well. No, that doesn't sound great. It doesn't turn out well. And so a couple of things to highlight is that one, um, there's a ignorance. There's ignorance. Um, yeah. Joy, uh, black people got guns, baby. I think I saw a stat that says, um, so something like twenty three percent of black law abiding citizens own multiple firearms, mm-hmm. um, and we're a minority in this country. So that's mm-hmm. a lot. Of, that's a lot of guns. Yeah, and it's, and it's like white people own. I think it's like a little less than half. It's like maybe forty eight percent. Yeah, um, which is still a lot. Mm-hmm. Still a lot. That's a lot. <clears throat> that's a whole lot. We're talking about three hundred million people in this country. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, what, what, so what we're highlighting in that, guys, what we have for you is an episode um, that was uh, we did a year ago, I think, wasn't it? Or a it year and some change ago? Yeah, about a year and a half, maybe. Um, but a lot of people enjoyed this episode. We did it with my good friend and fellow pastor David Pfizer. Yeah. Um, and what we talked about in a little bit of the episode is like just trying to understand and and touch base on some of the things that conservatives and non-BLM or non-CRT uh, affirmers have gripes with. And, and, and when it comes down to some of the language, some of the phrasings of things, but then outside of all of that, as a black American, sometimes it can feel like you are an object 
on a shelf that other people who are citizens of the country are talking about. Right. And you hear statements like that, and that's just an example of it. Um, so we, in this episode, what we want to do is we want to bring my boy back. We've got him here because some things have changed in his, in his life, and I think he has some valuable information and um, viable things to bring to the conversation, not because all of a sudden, hey, guess what? He's the third member of Black and Blurred. He agrees with everything we say, but it's just like the last time. It was a good conversation, and it's necessary. Um, so, guys, we are glad to welcome soon to be Reverend Doctor <laughs> David Pfizer in on the episode. David, what's good, man? Well, what's up, Brandon and Darren? It's good to be back. Oh yeah, <laughs> y'all look fantastic on your digital cameras. <laughs> lighting. I'm in my basement. Uh, no podcast studio, so. I think I'll come across better to your audio listeners. Not your <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. There's nothing to worry about. You know, I mean, I have a lot of identities, Brandon, but mm. I think the biggest one is I'm probably your most popular guest that you've had on your show. Oh, wow. Two times. It is. is it's true. It's true. Maybe. It's true. It is true. It's true. Wow. Oh, wait. So I don't know. Joey. We've had Joey multiple Joey times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've had Joey. Yeah, but no, I don't even know who Joey is. So oh. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't know. if you're out there, I'm sure you're great. But. Uh, what's yeah, new? So, what's new? Okay, yeah. So kind of uh, over the last year, I was a pastor at where Brandon is pastor. Brandon is basically has my job now. Uh, After you having my job. Let's be clear. That's right. <laughs> We've switched. <laughs> We've switched. So uh, I was, yeah, I was in uh, the DC, I was living in DC, working at the Well Community Church in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, got an offer to become the lead pastor at a church in South Seattle called New Light Christian Church. That was back last summer. We said yes. So we moved out to Seattle end of August and have been in the Pacific Northwest since then. So it's been about nine uh, nine or so months. Hey, so it's nine been months wild. already. Yeah, it's been wild. Uh, church is uh, so South Seattle is Seattle is predominantly white. It's like 60, 60% white, mm-hmm. where the diversity, the multi ethnic uh, communities are, are more in South Seattle. Uh, so our church is in one of the most diverse uh, zip codes in the country, very similar to Silver Spring, actually. Hmm. And uh, it was originally an inner city church. So it was planted by a suburban church called Overlake Christian Church. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a type of church that like Dan Quayle spoke at. So the oh, vice wow. president of the United States in like yeah. 92 spoke to this church. So it was that type of church. And they planted a church. They had a heart for the inner city, planted a church in uh, inner city Seattle in the early 90s. And then they bounced around and ended up getting property in South Seattle, which is like one of the most diverse zip codes. So our church is actually predominantly, it's our foundation, our vision is multi-ethnic. It was a multi-ethnic church, I would say, when it was birthed. But over time, uh, it was predominantly a black church, black mm-hmm. culture, black pastor. And by the time I got there, it was you know, 90% black, I would say. Small church, you know, maybe like 75, 80 members on the books. Mm-hmm. Sunday mornings, it's like, you know, maybe 50, 
people or so in a post-COVID church world. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But in Seattle, I think you know church attendance is like you have a couple mega churches, and then there's like you know most churches around seventy-five, a hundred people. I'd say. Wow. Okay. In yeah. Seattle, Seattle yeah, is. Long... Seattle's like I mean it's like Montgomery County. You mm. know, just think about doing ministry in Montgomery County, yeah. except weirder. Yeah, uh, yeah. I bet. I bet. I bet. <laughs> Pacific Northwest. Yeah, way weirder. So, yeah, so we've been there. So, uh, yeah, I've been, you know, I was, uh, what attracted to me to it was we were thinking about planting in D.C. We love D.C., uh, but my wife and I just prayed a lot about it. We felt we didn't have peace about planting, even though we loved D.C., so we started looking. Um, but we we loved our neighborhood. Uh, one of the reasons we were, started, we were thinking about planting a church in a black neighborhood, and then we didn't have peace about that, but we were having a conversation like, well, but if there was like a church that invited us, that was like uh, in a context similar to the neighborhood that we we're living in, that would feel really compelling to us because I think, uh, you know, I think on my mind about a year ago is I didn't want to come in as like this kind of white savior. I'm mm-hmm. here to save all y'all. But I think I was, I just wanted to join the community, so to speak yeah, yeah. and lead, but also learn. And so this church in South Seattle uh invited us and so we felt like you know if we were to start a church five ten years down the road this is what it kind of we would want it to feel like Mm. type of people so that's why we said yes yeah yeah have so you're nine months in um yeah and obviously the climate of the country hasn't really changed much we just shift topics you know and go kind of this cyclical yeah route but in the meantime, ha- have you gotten a response from anyone who sees you as this white guy coming into this black church? Um, has there been anyone who has come to you with a problem regarding that? Like regarding just like my you're race. going yeah you're yeah you're the fact that you're white the fact that you're pastoring a black church. Uh yeah I mean a few from the inside and the outside I mean overall I think the church. Uh, I think they love me. Okay. <laughs> the ones who have good. stayed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think, uh, so inside, um, I think there was a few, uh, and I think they eventually left, but mm-hmm. uh, there was a few who were like, you know, we're a black church. Uh, we don't, We don't want a white pastor. And I think they had, I guess also had some trauma from white people in the past mm. too. So there was some, some of that. And so they, they left, they didn't say that was the reason. Right. But, but you just, yeah. you know, I think that's part of the reasons anytime that, you know, these things are complicated. Anytime there's new leadership, people are going to leave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So there's some of that. Some of, uh, I had an elder who I love and he's, he's an elder now. He told me, he's like, man, I never wanted a white pastor. I never thought we'd have a white pastor in New Light, um, but God really changed my heart. So mm, I think there was mm. some of that that was going wow. on. Um, and then I'll never forget, we have this neighbor uh, at our church. I doubt she'll listen to this, but who knows? She's, uh, it's always tricky now as a pastor, like, what can I share? Yeah, you know, when yeah, you're yeah, so yeah. I know, I know. You're like, you kind of like, oh, I'm the backup quarterback. I can kind of say whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> But we'll say we had a neighbor who uh, our church is like smack dab in the na- like in a neighborhood, so mm-hmm. there's like a house next 
Like we don't have a parking lot. There's a yeah. house next door to us on each side. And she was like, why did you come here? And I was like, oh, you know, like uh, we like the Northwest. Uh, we thought it was a unique opportunity to, uh, to lead, you know, to be part of a church that's to pastor a church that's predominantly black, especially mm. in these times. And then she just like cut me off. He's like, oh, so you want to like save the black people. Huh? Oh, <laughs> oh, boy. And she was a white lady, you know. Ooh, so shocker. Yeah. I was like, no, I mean, I don't think so. Um, you know, but uh, so there was some of that. Yeah. And, Does uh, she have one of those signs? Never mind. I'm not going to get you in trouble. Oh, no. She, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's another conversation that we can get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she had a lot of signs. Mm. So, <laughs> um, but uh, this is one, too, that I thought. This was like a misstep of mine. I've had a lot of missteps, but oh yeah, Pretty uh, tough. so you know, I think there's part of. First off, you know, I never thought I would be pastoring a predominantly like black church, mm-hmm. and I thought in my mind back in the day like that would be pretty cool if that happened. Mm. Uh, but I was like, that would probably never happen. And I remember I I interviewed at a church in D.C. that was like a black historic black church. And it was like a fifteen minute interview, and they just kept looking at me like I was crazy. Hmm. I think I know <laughs> so, what you're referring to. Yeah. So, uh, so I never thought it would happen. So when they offered it to me, I was like, "This is this. I mean, this is only God. This is God at work." And but I remember like, um, when I would see my friends either you know, that I weren't part of the church, uh, maybe in Seattle or back in DC, or, I mean, I went to a wedding out in Lynchburg, Virginia uh, about two months ago. And I just kept telling my friends, like, you won't believe this. I, I'm pastoring a black church, right? <laughs> <laughs> Saying like, you know, I'm pastoring a black church, this and that. And, uh, my friend came up to me and I'll never, I'll never forget this. She was like, David, uh, I don't think you should lead with that. Mm. she's a black she, woman she's a black woman yeah. yeah and i was like what do you mean you know because uh part of my training my racial uh my anti-racism training mm. <laughs> is that i i can't be colorblind yeah. you know which yeah. i i agree with right like you know uh but you know don't colorblindness is bad yeah and uh so that was i was like what do you mean you know it's like we should like this is what it is. And yeah. she's like, David, the way that you're referring to it is it's like, you're just talking. It's like black people are like subhuman. It's like this badge of honor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it's when like, you, you, yeah. um, well, I think we've talked about this, Dan and I on here at our former church, um, in Riverdale. Yeah. I remember the beginning and all throughout really, um, a lot of the language that would happen up front, is how we are doing ministry in a hard place with hard people who you know everything's hard and everything's bad and everything's so broken and everything else now we by god's grace had some friends family um be able to come and join us and help us lead worship there and things like that um and so a couple times they had visited and then after a couple services pulled us to the side and said why are they so- talking so poorly about these people's neighborhood? Like yeah. they, like they live here. <laughs> like this is their home. Like I get it. 
I mean, maybe there are things that can get better, but it's still their home. Yeah. And you're referring to it as uh, this terrible thing. Um, and meanwhile, you know, when it comes down to the trainings and all that stuff that ministries do to go into hard places in urban contexts, uh, you're highlighting the fact that there are so many people who are in affluent neighborhoods and they're just selfish and they don't care and they're forgetting the marginalized and not going to go in there. And a side effect of that is, well, I'm not forgetting them. I'm going to go to the hard places and the bro. And then you end up accentuating this hard, broken, nasty language. And you realize that you're tearing down a lot of what uh, people you're caring for love. It's just, it's, it's just yeah, funny I mean, back and forth. A lot of that, I wouldn't say is, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that kind of training is negative. You know, like no, those, those books we were reading, like that's for your own heart. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's about the way you view these people. Yeah. Um, it's about examining your heart. Hey, am I doing this because I love these people? And, and, am I trying to be co-laborers with these people or am I here to, to make them as good as I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah. use them to become good. I think like right. David, like what you were touching on. I mean, people can be used as objects where it's like, hey, look at what I'm doing mm-hmm. for these people. Look at how good I am. But go ahead, David. What were you saying? Yeah, I mean, so that comment was like really humbling to me. Mm. And because, I mean, everything that you described, like with your church in Riverdale, like, you know, that my badge of honor was like, I'm not doing ministry in the burbs. I'm doing ministry in hard places. Yeah. And, you know, I think our hearts are complicated. Like part of that is like a righteous zeal. You're kind of angry at maybe more of my, uh, do you guys use like white, how do you, I don't know. I'll just say more white evangelical communities. Yeah. You know, I think they do have a history of overlooking uh, poor urban communities. Mm. So there's, there's a little bit, you know, there's a righteous anger, but then there's also this, yeah, I mean, there's this, uh, there's, I don't know if it's idolatry, but it's like, yeah, this is what it defines me, right? Mm. This is what makes me special. Hmm. Quick question. Yeah. If so, yeah. Does the phrase black evangelical exist? Is that a thing? And and it, that's a genuine question. And I'm, I'm wondering how. I've actually lost sight of what an evangelical is really uh yeah. But um, yeah. But yeah, are there? I mean, do people call Black Americans Black Evangelicals who are Christian? Well, I mean, I, Lecrae might have been one, but then he said he left evangelicalism. So. Yeah, so I don't know what that means. I, I've never joined it. Uh, <laughs> never joined but, it. Yeah, I, I've, so I don't know. I don't know what what an evangelical is. Uh, yeah, I once thought it was one who carries the evangel, right? The the evangelion, the gospel. Uh, which yeah. makes every Christian an evangelist. And then outside of that, you learn about evangelistic giftings that exist within Christians within the church who just have this gift of reaching people with good news and have a burden to share good news. And right. then I woke up and it meant uh, white guys who vote Republican and hunt. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> For some would say, uh, there's a good Holy Post podcast, you know, the VeggieTales guy, Phil Vischer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he breaks down kind of like how the evolution of evangelicalism, because there was like a fundamentalist stream mm-hmm. 
and you might view the fundamentalists as the ones who are kind of more into politics, right? So like the Jerry Falwells of the world. I have no idea who that like, is. Uh, Jerry Falwell was like the founder of Liberty uh, University. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe like, yeah. So, so some of those, a lot more like historically like fundamentalist, like mm-hmm. maybe even like King James version is like the only, only Bible. Yeah. 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 I got you. I got you. I've never understood that. argument. I don't but, either. Uh, <laughs> and so, but then there's like Billy Graham. And so then the Billy Graham stream was your typical evangelical, which is, you know, the word of God Bible is authoritative. It's inerrant. We're called to share the gospel. Um, you know, live on mission, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But then I think uh, what you saw, though, was more of like the dogmatic folks really hopped on to the Trump train early on. And then the media started calling them like, oh, this is like, a, you know, this is Christian nationalism. This is white evangelicalism. So like the Well Community Church, our, your church, my former church, you, you know, they would probably, I think you would say like, you know, pre-Trump, like, oh yeah, it's an evangelical church, right? We're, mm-hmm. and you know, Matt's a white guy, like we're multi-ethnic, but it's like a white evangelical culture. Uh-huh. Uh, but now I know like probably Matt, we probably would want to steer clear from that because of the political connotations that it has. Yeah, man. I can't keep up. Yeah, that's tricky. Gosh. Yeah, um, one thing that, 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 I, I mean, the reason I was thinking about that is because I remember going back to the point we highlighted in the beginning of this episode, going back to the Buffalo shooting. Um, they were blaming, or they, but, you know, typical talking heads who jump onto the political issue don't know how to mourn the death of human life anymore. But um, they were blaming evangelicals. Like these evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking... There's so much I don't what does that statement mean one and two since when has some form of Christian slander been attributed only to white people it's a weird feeling because it's like oh you're slandering Christians how come you're not slandering me I'm you know <laughs> like hey Christians actually they come in all different shape sizes and colors um why are evangelicals and Christians only white and then why are they always like some type of country bumpkin um, who likes hunting and is far right in their social ideology. But where is that coming from? I'm not, I won't acquiesce to that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you touched on something that I want you to flesh out a bit. Um, The signs. So I just started reading. I just started reading, uh, I've almost said Sarah McLaughlin. Rebecca McLaughlin. Yeah. Secular oh. Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, Secular Creed is, so far, what I'm reading is very good. Um, something that has uh, happened as a result of our journey through uh, PCD churches, I, the Lord has given me a, a desire to just be frank about certain things. Allow me yeah. to be frank. I'm very grateful for the things that she's talking about. The things she's talking about aren't new. They're they're yeah. very old things that we've mentioned. Black Americans who never identified with the black identity handed to them. Mm-hmm. These have been their arguments uh, all the time. Now I'm very glad that she's using these arguments. But instead of me 
highlighting that book and doing a plug for a book. Let's talk about the signs in your context. One, tell people what we're talking about regarding the signs. Okay. So, all right. So coming, so when I was more in a uh, more white space, mm-hmm. which was like the well, right? I was, I, I felt more, um, you know, kind of more, a little more righteous anger if I'm being charitable with myself and more of like my own community. Right. Mm. I was like, Christians, we got to care. Like, mm. let's read all these verses on justice and all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once I got to Seattle and I'm in pastoring predominantly black church. Uh, well, our church is actually smack dab in the midst of a very like granola, progressive white community. <laughs> granola. Yeah, right. It's very granola. Acai. Um... I mean, it's like. It's like maybe, you know, I remember one, uh, we have a preschool at our church and one dad was saying like, oh, this family lives a few blocks away and they drove their cars to pick up the kid. They didn't, you know, they didn't walk over, (laughs) (laughs) you know, which I mean, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, like we're probably wasting the environment, but that's like, you know, that's the type of culture that you're in. And then, and of course there's signs everywhere. Yeah. uh, there's Black Lives Matter signs everywhere. There's, you know, those, uh, I believe in all lot or I don't know. What is it like? I believe science, the science is real sign. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one is, <laughs> and this sounds, this might even sound racist, but it's, uh, it's like this one neighbor has nothing matters until black lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, <laughs> That's a good sign. Nothing matters. Oh, man. And it's so bad in Seattle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember asking one of our my close friends, uh, her name's Gina. I was like, Gina, like, like, what do you think of all these signs? She's black. And Gina's like, and she has this joke. She's like, oh, you want to know where, uh, where all the white people live in Seattle? I was like, oh, where? If It's like. The ones who have a Black Lives Matter sign. <laughs> That's legit. It's pretty spot on. It's legit, man. It's she's spot like, on. Then she tells me, she's like, we don't have those signs. Like, we know we matter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, why, so why is that? Why, why is that? Well, okay. So then, okay, I'll get to the why in a second. Okay. But I think, um, but here's like what infuriates me is that I know we're like a Christian church, but you would think that the neighborhood with all these signs would like want to go to their, the black church. Local church. Yeah. Their mm. Nothing. Oh man. <laughs> no one goes. And in fact, there are many neighbors who are so upset that, you know, our music is loud. At oh boy. On a Sunday. <laughs> oh boy. And so obviously there's a Christian component involved, but I'm just like, man, like, I mean, if you really think about it, if you really care about black people and black culture, like you can't take the Christianity is a huge part of that. Yeah. Yeah. A huge part of their culture and what they value. And and you, you just, you, you know, you just rather have your sign. So it's, it's really interesting. It's like, and then in Seattle, everyone's so introverted and scared to talk to people. So, Mm. you know, they just stay away. So it, it's, uh, I, so then this is what, this is what really, I realized 
you've probably realized this a lot longer, Brandon, but it's like the people really, I, this is what hit me. It's like the people controlling these narratives are not black people. No. <laughs> these no. are like white, progressive, liberal narratives. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what's infuriating. That's yeah. what just got me. And so, yeah, it just enraged me. I still get angry at this. And, uh, and I kind of feel like when I was in DC, it's like, all right, I wanted to wake up like more white Christians, these things. And now mm -hmm. I kind of want to, now I feel like I just want to attack that, that secular creed. That mm -hmm. you're talking about. All right. That's it. Order a black and blurred shirt for David. <laughs> but no, David, what you, and this, I pointed this out in the previous episode that we did. Um, the people you represent are people who genuinely have a heart for their neighbor right. and have genuinely experienced uh, like off-putting reactions to their neighbors by, by other people and fellow church members and fellow Christians, fellow white Americans. Um, they've experienced that. And then that does breed a righteous anger. The reason why we are as brash as we are yeah. Is because that type of heart is valuable in the kingdom, but right now it's being won by the world. Mm -hmm. The heart that genuinely has a heart for their neighbor and then actually wants to care for the widow, the orphan, the one in the margins, that heart is valuable in the kingdom, and it only is restored and redeemed in the kingdom, but the world is winning it through these stupid creeds and all these different slogans. Yeah. And so then one day you'll wake up where black lives are valuable, um, <clears throat> and then you, 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 I mean, I'm sorry, you go to sleep where black lives are valuable, and then you wake up where it's like, let's have a Margaret Sanger day. <laughs> and so, well, wait a second. Who's Margaret Sanger? Uh, you know, this white lady that hated black people. Uh, but wait, hey, look, you know, this is for the margins, though. This is for, how did this yeah. get roped into all of this stuff? How did that happen? Um, and that is very infuriating for us. It's very, because they've, um, They've just taken over the voice. There is no reason. There is, and, and if you go against any of those things, then you'll be called out your name. Um, and then, you know, that's it. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> speaking of like, you know, specifically you, David, um, <laughs> it's, you know, it has to be, I'm trying to empathize with how difficult it must be um, to distinguish yourself from, the white progressive super de duper black lives matter sign person, mm -hmm. um, you know, because you didn't need an event to happen to care about someone else. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You didn't need police to shoot a black person to go, you know what? I'm going to fight for black people. No, I mean, this was in your heart from the beginning, but now you got to kind of like prove to other people like, no, 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 no I'm not, you know? Yeah. I, I, I hear you, but I'm not with you. You know, <laughs> you know I, 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 I want the same thing, but you don't want the yeah, same thing. Yeah, you don't thing. want the same thing I want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to the point where if people listen to you talk, it might sound like you're anti the very thing you love. Right. And that's, you know, and I'm trying to, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to empathize with what that must be like. I mean, you can't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, everything you say would be racist mm -hmm. um, if you're talking to a white person progressive yeah you know which is yeah. odd that must be opposition 
two people who are white trying to figure out who's the most racist. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't, I can't understand what that means. It's the race Olympics. Um, have has has there been any newfound wisdom when it comes to black culture and black entertainment and um, I remember last time we were talking, you were like, man, oh, yeah. I'm trying to talk with these young adults and I can't say anything because I have no <laughs> idea what they're talking about. <laughs> What's that been like? For- yeah, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure we've talked about this some, but I mean, we as like American culture. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but not only are, like, are we different races, like we, we don't talk about, like we're different cultures. Yeah. And I, you know, that's uh, I, that's something that I knew, but I didn't like know. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew, but I think I've I really know it now. So I'll never forget. I'm at this the church Super Bowl party, and there's a Lord of the Rings commercial preview for the next Lord of the Rings on Amazon, <clears throat> and I freak out, and I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been right with you. I would have been right. And, uh, and no one else, you know, and I'm the only white person there and no one else. <laughs> no one else cared. <laughs> I'm just saying that black people, there's not black people who, who, uh, who like Lord of the Rings, but it's, it's, it's not a, uh, you know, white people, my generation. Yeah. That's our Mount yeah. Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, well, and, uh, you know, yeah. and dude, like, uh, oh gosh, who's the singer that I was met? Like, Kligler, and I didn't know. Uh, what's her name? Uh, what's her name? Let me look at this. She goes to the church? No, no, no. What it's, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. CC Widens. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. A lot of people just threw their phone listening to this episode. Dude. <laughs> I know, right? So, I was like, uh, now I didn't. I knew who CC Williams was before I got to Seattle, but I think it was. I didn't know of her until like 2020, 2021. Okay. <laughs> Only because she sang uh, a Bethel song. She covered. A <laughs> what song funny. was that? Wow. What song does CC do from Bethel? Uh, I don't the know. Goodness of God, and it's a, it's the oh, best. Oh wow, version. she did that. Oh, and hands down, best version of the song. Hmm. So you know, there's. Uh, there's like a cultural kind of gap there. Very much so. Yeah, you know, obviously, like there's more with it white people than myself, but um, you know, yeah, we love our Chris Tomlins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that kind of hit me, and then uh, and I remember reading this book called "Divided by Faith." Mm. It's a fantastic book, and it was talking about this idea of not only like you know white and black are different races, it's different cultures, and they. They had this list of like the top 10 things that each culture um, watches on television mm. and like white and black communities. They only shared like two things. I think it might've been three max, but those things were, it was like news and sports mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything else was like different. Yeah. You know, white communities watching MTV, black communities watching BET, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. So, right. That's actually something so, um, to flesh out a bit when it comes down to a lot of the aspects that that things that we talk about as far as culture and entertainment because I think culture reinforces um community values 
Um, yeah. Whether or not those values are good and beneficial, that's a different conversation, but they reinforce. Like BET, uh, I hope BET wasn't marching around talking about value, valuing women, women at any yeah, point. I, know. Yeah. I, hope, I, hope, I hope they weren't doing that because that would be yeah. hypocritical. Um, but uh, so I want to I I park there for a second just to make this okay. fun for our listeners. Um, okay. You brought up CC Winans. David, <laughs> are there any other newfound uh, artists or music that you might have discovered in your late adulthood? Okay, I knew who Earth, Wind, and Fire were, but like we were having this young adult hangout, and you know I'm playing like my Mumford and Sons, and <laughs> and, uh, and you know our group again. I'm like the only white person. They're like, what? You know, what the hell is this music? <laughs> <laughs> so they put on, they get on, you know, they get a better playlist, and it was better, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm listening to this song, and everyone's like singing along to it, and I was like, who is this? It's like this is Earth, Wind, and Fire. What's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, okay, this oh. is cool. Oh man, that is yeah. wild. I'm trying to think of a context. You need to pray for new like Christian church, man, because they they're sacrificing a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, look, if it's for the advancement of the gospel, then that's the way it's supposed to be. There you go. Um, I'm trying. We were talking about this. We were trying to talk about timeless music that transcends culture, where yeah. no matter what cultures know it, they know these songs. Uh, right. You know, and I'm trying to find a general white American context where EWF is playing. Earth, Wind, and Fire. I don't even know who EWF is. Earth, Earth, Wind, and Fire, David. We were just talking about Oh, right. Nobody calls it that. EWF? Nobody says that. Okay. All right. Now now this is happening. Are you happy? Because now he's about to lose a stick after this episode. Are you going to look up a person who's ever said that? That's exactly right. That's insane. (laughs) Siri, show me a person that calls it EWF. Um... I would but, say, but yeah, what's the context? Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I don't know, man. September will probably be one. Yeah, the commercials and stuff like that, but yeah. not at a wedding, right? You've been to a wedding where they played. Do you remember? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. What about Groove? Let's Groove tonight. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, so you know of Earth Wind and Fire. So here's the thing. I think that's true about a lot of because a lot of, I don't know a lot of like Beatles songs. Yeah, it's it's true. We would well, I don't make know the titles of, of the songs, mad. right? I don't know the titles, but if I heard yeah. it, I'm like, oh wow, that's yeah. the Beatles. But there are random songs that I just ended up hearing, and I'm like, I love like Beach Boys. God only knows. Yeah, I love that song. Um, but yeah, we're I, also different, and so there true. there it's is true. this. It's there's true. also this. Um. Not only just cultural, but um, there's also this generational, yeah, yeah, cultural yeah. difference. Because yeah. like kids younger than us, I'm like I'm talking to Daniel. Um, you know, my my son, my stepson Daniel, he's a white kid, but he goes to Timber Templeton. Oh, Templeton, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Templeton, where he's he's a minority. So there's there's you know a bunch of. El Salvadorian kids, mm-hmm. Afghanistan, like Af- Afghani kids, they're they're all they all know like this different lingo, like they're they're this they're just saying TikTok words. Mm. And so when I talk to Daniel, it's like, what are you even saying? Like I don't even I don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, you're speaking in a game language that I I, I mean, 
This isn't even this is this isn't cultural. Y'all y'all are just speaking a new language. Mm. Even their schoolwork. It's like the stuff their their math, everything I can't even relate to it. Yeah. Um but yeah, I can imagine like you said young adults. I mean, I'm sure they're just all over the place. So like I, I don't know any new artists, new music or new R&B, new yeah. rappers. All these people I don't know them at all. I was I I sent you this, David. I told you that you should watch Atlanta. Yeah. Um need to because even in these latter episodes he starts doing more of a social commentary he these shows are kind of like standalone but social commentaries and they're they're definitely conversation starters that would be you want to have a bonding time with young adults in your church watch those episodes with them and have discussion they are they're they're just good conversation um starters um but this is something that i've been bringing up even where we are now because there's you know this push uh, in modern church culture, especially predominantly white American church culture, that says diversity is good. Um, mm-hmm. And now when diversity is spoken of, I think they all have the same thing in mind. Complexions, right? Skin colors, uh, ethnicities. Um, and I think that thinking of things that way is harmful, for lack of a better word. But but it, it's just not holistic, it's not holistic in that <clears throat> diversity the the beauty behind diversity is that uh it, it's not new it's a it's a biblical thing it's that philippians 2 right regard others as more significant than yourself i think the heart behind a diverse individual or someone who loves diversity is someone who is very aware and is in love with the idea of not me at any point doesn't matter the skin color doesn't matter whatever when when you're talking about a diverse room, you're talking about not you, someone other than you. And then there's multifaceted aspect of diversity when it comes to gender, when it comes to culture. I think culture transcends skin color because you got white Americans who grew up in the hood and they don't know this yeah. granola, you know, thing <laughs> that's attached to whiteness. They don't they don't know that. Um, then you also, especially in today's culture, you have more and more mixed people, more biracial individuals where um, when talking about these identities and these cultures that are assigned to certain skin identities, they're like, well, which one do I belong to? I don't mm-hmm. know if, if, it, if the skin color is what makes you belong to the culture. Where do I belong here? Um, and then you have the thing that we've experienced and have experienced more harshly. Uh, we've experienced others experience it more harshly as black Americans who don't grow up in the hood. They're apparently missing out on the black experience experience because their parents maybe were affluent and had good jobs and and things like that and so since when did not having a good career and having a stable family not become or not represent a black american uh, and why are we acquiescing to that and so i think culture um i think is better understood as uh something that transcends our skin color and especially in a church context because you can have an all-white church that is extremely diverse when it comes yeah. to, you know, you can have an all-black church that's extremely diverse. Um, I think the the driving force behind the multicultural movement was a good thing where there are white churches that are trying to own themselves and say, hey, there's something in our history that has neglected to even invite non-white people into our church. <clears throat> and it's like, so let's be, transparent and let's com- confess and repent of that and now let's be 
a church that represents our community. That's good. And I think that that's something that not only white churches ought to do, but churches ought to do. Because there's a lot of churches back at home uh, that don't do that. Mm -hmm. And they're not all white. Um, They're all black. Um, But their community is also all black, too. So there are aspects where it's good and it reflects the community. Uh, And there are aspects where there needs to be um, some pause. So that's my little soapbox moments about the whole multicultural push thing. I think looking at a church as multicolored is surface level and uh, whack. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think about that Oof. feel free to push back we're going to cut you off if you do okay so wait hold on you think it's whack to just focus on what's whack just to focus multi-colored, on multi-colored churches for the sake of multi-colors oh that's what that's what I mean, ends yeah. up being meant when we say multicultural. If it's multicultural, multicultural can happen even when skin colors are all the same. But we don't value that. that. We don't value that. that what we're true. actually valuing is the colors, multicolors. And so here's an example. Let's say that there is a a you know a vibrant all white church that is just right. bunkering down and they're making a push for multiculturalism. And then they're like, "Well, Brandon, you know, we really want to do a better job of being multiculturalism. Three service church. Um, and then they're like, well, you know, you can preach. And I'm like, all right, let me get 55 minutes. It's going to be World War Three. <laughs> well, oh, so, yeah, so check this out. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So there's a book called uh, The Elusive Dream that kind of studies uh, studies like multiracial churches. Mm-hmm. And they basically say that multiracial churches don't work unless uh, it's white culture. Mm. So now mm. you can push back on this. But this is the this is what Corey Edwards argues, right? So if there's a black pastor and they're doing a black past like they're doing black church, like white people generally won't stick around for that Mm-mm. because the sermon is 55 minutes yeah. plus on a good day, you know, <laughs> testimony time and whatever else. Uh, whereas in white church, like you're like, man, you know, it's like we got to be done in 70 minutes. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole service, the whole service. So, uh, so it, and so, so whites aren't used to, her argument is whites aren't, because they're the majority, they're not used to comfortable being the minority, right? Like having to su- like submit their culture to someone else's. Mm. While as minorities are used to being the minority, they're used to having their culture as the minority culture. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit more comfortable, like assimilating to mainstream culture. I agree with so all of that. So her argument is, is that in America, like <clears throat> multiracial churches really only work if it's like white culture so to speak Mm. um and so when i started i kind of knew that right and i was thinking because that's a whole dynamic right going back to this kind of not just it's racial differences but there's cultural differences yeah and our you know our elders are used to having our church services like two hours plus Mm. and i'm like in my mind i'm like oh that is way that's way too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but I have to wrestle with that as a leader of thinking like, all right, 
is that is that too long because that's this isn't like best practice this isn't what's going to reach our neighborhood and our yeah. people or yeah. is it just too long because i just think my culture is we need to have a church service at 70 minutes yeah 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 i don't know if i have an answer to that but i think those mm -hmm. are things that i think of that that's been a challenge yeah. like pastoring which you know if you're just in a culture just like yourself you kind of know the best way you know you kind of have that just those instincts right right mm -hmm. right but this is like all right, like, you know, the church, like, New Light loves altar calls. You know, I'm not like, you know, I think you can make a theological case for and against altar calls, right? Yeah. But it's, but then there's also part of like, is this like a theological issue or is this like a cultural issue? Mm -hmm. And you want to, you know, I kind of, in some ways, I'm a missionary, right? I'm yeah. going to, I'm doing cross cultural ministry. And so I think it, it's, uh, it's challenging to, to know what is like cultural and what is like, I don't know what the other category is. It's like, hey, I don't want to change this because I don't like the culture. I want to, maybe I want to change this because I think this is the best theological yeah, practice. Yeah, biblical. Yeah, the best biblical. Biblical practice. practice. I think, I mean, I think that is definitely the way that we should be thinking about things and wrestling with it. Um, now, unfortunately, <laughs> the pushback I've gotten, and this is general, this is not currently only but this is just general when i've been in, in different spaces the pushback i typically get is that it is a biblical or a theological issue or it's an issue of loving people well that's that's the trump card it's yeah. it's not loving people well and so to be fair when it comes down to like two hour three hour services we are anti yeah no, that no, no. But that's not cool. That is an aspect of a cultural difference. And so where I start to feel that is when worship, black American church culture and white American church culture, for lack of a better word, sees worship differently. Now, the reason I say for lack of a better word, because there are white American churches that do see worship the same way that a lot of black American churches see worship, but it's still different. Um, it's still different. And so in the very pragmatic service, the quick service, all you're doing is doing sing-alongs. It can feel like, yeah, it can feel like you're just doing sing-alongs, especially if you don't know the music. Um, I'm okay with that. The Lord has been growing me in that, but I still have to be singing to the Lord, man. I'm, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know these songs. And so I want to, I want to worship. I want, <laughs> I want to be led in worship and uh, culturally speaking, what we come from is people who have a heightened burden to facilitate the reality that, hey, what we're doing right now is entering into a throne room. Yeah. And, and now that's not all the way across the board. It's a lot of unhealthiness in, in black American <laughs> wor worship culture. Um, they'll be up there with a three-piece suit thinking about themselves. But uh, – <laughs> but, the the good aspects of it involves that hey I'm not this is not just a casual thing you know it's not a casual thing and so whether it be praise the praise aspect of cult worship is like that of Isaiah that says man I don't even deserve to be able to praise you I'm a man and woman of unclean lips um, to be in your presence what a gift that is if it's thankfulness you're thinking of the struggles the hardships and everything wholeheartedly and how god has been delivering you time and time again from these things and that's just been facilitated in the culture of it because 
You have people who once wrote spiritual songs after watching bodies dangle from trees. And so that that heritage is yeah. born into the worship culture. And it's very right. different mm-hmm. from just liking certain songs. Um, so the point and you made, I'm all on board with. We're also like, you know, if you're a minority in America, like this is and you're you're and if you're a minority and then your church is like your your race or your ethnicity, like that's the only time in your week that you're with your, you know, where everything is, is the, at least maybe the most comfortable for you. Right. Mm. So, and I can kind of under, I can understand why, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if that contributes to like length of services. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did talk about like kind of diversity. Right. And, um, you know, I, I remember your first question, like kind of what was the pushback for having like a white, pastor at a black church like i I asked one person i was like hey why did you come to new lies like i wanted to be part of a black church (laughs) i love it me too (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it Uh, i love it but i don't know i think that's something that's special right that yeah yeah. it is worship service like all right we're gonna worship god in our way right we're gonna like our values aren't taking a back seat now, right now kind of like we can do things that are normal so to speak yeah for us. and that is beautiful i think, I think another, another thing that has come from the multicultural push is to say that a homogenous congregation is inherently evil or it's yeah. immoral and that's false it's so false as a matter of fact i i need to do more work trying to find the the obligation for a church to be multi-ethnic like to to do that i don't don't think that that's something that is like obviously you're not supposed to be racist (laughs) but like if you look at your church and you say oh we don't have different skin tones we're doing something wrong you need to show me that um in scripture one uh that's one number two um these uh what was i about to say oh multicultural an aspect that we just witnessed in this past season if you are a multicultural church, that can also be a beautiful thing. But being multicultural for the sake of being able to say you're multicultural will still breed a lot of hatred and it will leave and it will leave the church in discord and disarray. How do we know? Well, let's say that, you know, hypothetical scenario, there's this virus that people are told to be bugged out about because they're all going to die. And then the government says, hey, we're going to give you a, a needle to take. And you got black people in your church like, nah, bruh. <laughs> and then you got white people in your church it's like oh you're evil you're not loving your neighbor you're not doing this well you're not doing this well now obviously those are character caricatures and they don't yeah. always fit you know unanimously with each uh respective skin color but what does it mean to be a multicultural church in that regard are you trying to understand each other are you trying to understand where they come from when a colin kaepernick is kneeling and then people are upset about uh, their flag being or the flag of their deceased loved ones being desecrated when the two issues come collide like that here's my hand there we go are we understanding each other because the world will only take one of those issues and it'll squeeze it dry and you'll be forced to choose but the church shouldn't do that the church is more beautiful and more multifaceted than that um and my very last point is (laughs) that no matter what (laughs) even if it's a homogenous congregation the church, the church is multi-ethnic already. The church, Jesus's bride is multicultural. 
it is. It's right now. Right now the church is. And so we need to think about that. You got black churches and then uh, uh, white churches in the same neighborhood, and they don't do anything with each other. They're not even relationship. So it's like, man, what what if we had that view, that Jesus actually already broke down dividing walls of hostility, and we can actually love each other with disagreements right now? Amen. Yeah. So last question for you to leave people with. This is not me saying that this was you, but now you get an opportunity to give advice to someone like this. Someone is fired up off of a nice little, you know, Black Lives Matter for Christians conference. They just left. And, you know, what? and they're like, you know what? Forget you, family. I'm leaving L.A. and I'm going to Baltimore to plant me a church in West Baltimore City, Park Heights. <laughs> what do you have to say to this young lad with all the fiery zeal? What do I have to say? Hmm. I'm not anti-education. Mm-hmm. But I would say value the voices on the ground mm. more than the, the voices. If we had there. a horn or something like that. Yeah, no, that's the one thing we don't have. Yeah. That's fire. I would say, so, you know, I love your zeal. Um, you know, if you want to join, you know, go to like live and be in a distressed or urban or under-resourced neighborhood, uh, do cross-cultural ministry. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm. Uh, Obviously you can do a lot of damage, uh, if you do it the wrong way, but, uh, you know, I don't know, kind of leave your books at the door and just submerge yourself in the community and, Mm. You know, obviously you can't like tune out what's in the air, but whatever's in the air, like test it on the ground. Yeah. Like, hey, like systemic racism, you know, uh, is that a thing? And, you know, I've heard plenty of stories in my church of systemic racism, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then you also hear things that ch- challenge the liberal narrative of mm-hmm. like, I remember in D.C., uh, just one of my neighbors is like, man, there's programs, there's opportunities for all these people. They're just being lazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's an apathy here yeah. and they're responsible for. Yeah. And so when you hear those things, um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it complicates the narrative that you hear in the air. Yeah. Uh, and so, so, I mean, obviously you want to like have a biblical perspective. Mm-hmm. You want to be grounded in God's word. Mm-hmm. But I I just think those relationships, I mean, just like things that, like what we're doing right now. We're just yeah. like talking, you know? Yeah. How, and uh, I, I found that to shape my perspective a lot more and yeah. still happen, you know? Or, um, oh, like here's another one. So uh, just being voices on the ground, you know, I said, there's this one lady I was, uh, I was kind of scared to talk to. Uh, I didn't think she was very friendly. And I was like, Hey, this is, she's intimidating. And, um, and I think she was intimidating. Right. But I didn't know that, uh, this intimidating is, is a a label can be a racist label for black women. Mm. And that was something I'm sure there's blogs about this, but it was just something that I learned on the ground. Right. 
um, I was like, oh, like my language matters and I need to be careful. Um, even if I think I was right, I need to be careful about the language that I use because my language, it carry, there's connotations to whatever words that I use, mm, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, man, have you seen that Chick-fil-A Popeye's video? What? There's a <laughs> what? Okay. There's like, there was this one that was kind of going viral. And it was comparing like customers from like Chick-fil-A versus Popeyes. Mm. And I already got an image in my head here. <laughs> so like they show the Chick-fil-A customers and they're all like worshiping God. Let's see to like Chris Toblin in the store. <laughs> <laughs> and then it flashes to Popeyes and they're all like, you know, beat each other up over like the chicken, <laughs> the chicken sandwich. sandwich. And so, uh, you know, living in like Southeast DC, I thought it was funny because I'd go to the local Popeyes all the time. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I obviously love Chick fil A. But I remember, you know, I shared that with one of my buddies who's black. And he thought that video was also funny. But then he also said, you know, David, it's also a little bit racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because, you know, it, it characterizes, you know, white customers this way, mm -hmm. black customers this way. And, man, that really humbled me. And I was like, man, this is something, I mean, I just shared on, uh, I guess, a national podcast. So I, maybe I'm doing the same thing again, but, uh, <laughs> but it just humbled me. Cause I was like, Oh, like I hadn't thought about that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And those are only things that you're going to learn like on the ground. Absolutely. And, and some of those things affirm the narrative in the air. Other things mm -hmm. don't affirm the narrative. Um, but that's, yeah. So to get back to your question, I would say just submerse yourself in the community build relationships listen and learn i think because yeah. we need each other you yeah. know i mean that's mm -hmm. the body of christ right? right it's like so i think there's uh you can make a lot of critiques against the you know the modern day multi-ethnic church but i think one of the strengths of that is is that if you really are doing life together then you're really going to be able to point each out point out each other's blind spots. that's exactly right because <laughs> we need each other yeah, you we know need each that's other. how god has designed us yeah and yeah, we need each other. Mm. So there you go. You have any final thoughts? No, nah, not without uh, starting another conversation. Oh, okay. Well, David, it's always good, man, having you on. Um, we need to get out there and visit you and yeah. Sarah. Also, congratulations on the new one coming. I'm baby allowed to say that, two. right? Yeah, baby yeah. number two. Okay. Yeah, baby number two. We're having a baby girl. Nice. Uh, end of September. Wow. Yeah, well, you're about yeah. to be super soft now. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Bro, what's but, life like with two kids? Um, Under three. Yeah, I know. Well, that's another. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, you know, I mean, he's, he did it before me. <laughs> Wait, Darren, uh, Darren oh, remind me how many kids you got. Three. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, That's but our, you know, having <laughs> incredible wives uh, makes it easier Definitely. on us. We're yeah. down here talking to you. Uh, she's with our two sons right now. So, um, yeah, being my son right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's always a bonus. But uh, we appreciate and love you, man. Yeah. And keep doing good work. And um, our prayers are with you in that yeah. ministry as well. I uh, love you guys. Thanks Absolutely. for your ministry. So I appreciate y'all. Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you guys tuning in to this episode of Black and Blurred. Once again, if you did not see our fundraiser for Hilda, find that. Find it on Instagram, find it on our website, and donate to Hilda, who has muscular dystrophy and is trying to get a new van, wheelchair accessible van. And tune in to next week's episode with Natalie, Natalie from Stop and Consider. Stop and Consider. Uh, but until then, we are signing off. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black and Blurred where you are guaranteed to hear one of two things, our humble opinion or the facts. Holler at us. <laughs>